Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Dylan Skelhorn who's a safety motivational speaker from the UK, uh, coming to share with us a really powerful story and, and a powerful story as well in terms of impact that he's, he's making in, in the space around ladder safety. So Dylan, welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thank you very much for having me. So, so let's start. Uh, maybe if you can tell me a little bit about your story um, and, and, and what transpired. So back in June 2011, I had a serious accident which involved a fall from height, and it was 33 feet from a chimney stack. Now, I was standing on this chimney stack sweeping the chimney. It wasn't really my job. I'd been sent out this day to cover somebody else's work, and I'm up on this chimney stack with no fall protection equipment. And the company I worked for, the employer told us basically when I started with the job that we weren't allowed any safety harnesses or fall protection equipment or anybody footing our ladders and that he had a special dispensation from the UK Health and Safety Executive to work at height without safety equipment. Now, I was told this on the first day of going into this job. Now, my my, uh, job, I was a a solid fuel heating engineer, so I basically installed chimneys, uh, flues, stoves, that Mm -hmm. sort of work. The company was also a roofing company as well. wasn't really my thing, you know, but I I did do roofing as well for them. I'd labour for the roofers as well, so most of the work was at height. And from going into this company on day one, I was shown everything the wrong way. Now, I had been a a firefighter for six years Mm -hmm. before uh, working for this company, so you know, I was used to having somebody foot in my ladder. I was used to working at sure. night safely, all that sort of stuff. Coming into this company, it was a totally different safety culture or, you know, they didn't really have a safety culture. Hmm. So the first day on the job, I'm, I'm sent out with the, the foreman and I'm, I'm told to go up on the roof and via a ladder, I'm, I'm, to, I'm told to go that way. And I say, well, can you foot the ladder for me? Uh, he basically said, no, we don't foot ladders here. Oh, wow. I asked why, you know, always doing it safely in the fire brigade. And he basically said that the boss is not going to pay for somebody to stand at the bottom of your ladder and foot it. Well, in his opinion, that person could be somewhere else making him more money on another job. So this worried me. Uh, climbing this ladder, I got the gut feeling in my stomach. You know, I got the little voice in my head right. telling me, don't do it. But Jobs were quite scarce at the time, especially doing what I was doing. So I sort of got on with it, you know. And uh, I also asked for a safety harness when working at mm-hmm. height. And this is when I was told by my employer, you're not getting one. We've got this special dispensation. Now, it turns out, as I thought, this right. was complete lies. It didn't exist. But after the accident, he typed up a fake dispensation, put the health and safety executive's name on it, even put an inspector's name on it, saying that, we had this permission. I then took it to the HSE 
and they, they said, we didn't issue this, we would never issue one of these to anybody. So my gut feeling was right, but because I didn't right. listen to it, I still had the accident, you know. So as time was going on, I I was going out to jobs on my own, and I, I, I was getting scared every time. I was going up these ladders, they were moving underneath, and I could feel them moving. They weren't safe, it was uneven ground. So what mm. I started doing was I would get my van, and I would park my van in front of the ladder to stop it kicking out at the bottom now. We all know that's not the mm. best way to do it, but no. in my opinion, I thought to myself, it's better than nothing. You know, the, the ladder's not going to move if a van's in front of it. Sometimes I couldn't put the van there for obvious reasons, you know, uh, access and stuff like that. And, and when that happened, I would just take the risk. And again, I'm going up nearly every day on my own up these ladders and I, I'm getting the gut feeling and I don't want to do it. And I, I, I thought to myself... I need to speak up again. So I spoke up and I was basically threatened losing my job. Wow. If, you if you don't like it, there's the door. Now, in hindsight, if I could go back to that day, knowing what I know now, knowing what happened to me, I would have walked out the door. You know, I, I wouldn't have cared about mm. the money. You know, I'll get a job somewhere else. The bills might be paid late, but I'll I'll get a job eventually. Somewhere. Right, right. But that wasn't yep. the way I was thinking. You know, I was thinking, well, you know, you've got to pay the bills. And I would try and convince myself when I was climbing these ladders, when I'm getting the gut feeling and when I'm worried, I would say to myself, it always happens to somebody else. It won't happen to me. I'm only up there for a few minutes. It'll be fine. And this is me trying to convince myself that what I was doing mm. was fine. It was it was safe, you know. And I, like I say, I made the wrong decisions. So on the day of the accident, uh, well, I actually, I had actually planned to leave the job. Hmm. I made a plan. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, go I'm going to end up having an accident. So I planned to leave the job. Now, I knew I could just walk out the job, but we used to get three weeks off uh, for the summer holidays. Sure. So, I, 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 you know, we'd get three weeks holiday pay. I thought, I will wait till then. It's only six weeks away. I'll take my three weeks holiday pay. I'll go and get a job with another company, a bigger company or on a bigger site, because my thinking is, Bigger company, bigger site. If I ask for a safety harness or a, somebody to foot my ladder or a piece of PPE, fall protection equipment, I'm probably going to get it. Not always, maybe, but in, in general, the bigger companies look yeah. after you better. And that tends to be the way it is, you know. You tend to find a lot of the time the people who are taking the, the most risks are the smaller companies because they think they'll get away with it. So this was my escape plan. I've hmm. only got six weeks to, to, to work, you know. I'll just keep my head down. I won't take any of these risks. And I'll get through it, and in six weeks' time, I'll walk out the door, and I'll never have to work like this again. I didn't like it. Right. Unfortunately, that day never came. As we know, I had the accident. Now, on the day of the accident, like I say, June the 20th, 2011, I come into work. It's a Monday morning, and my boss says to me, John's not turned up for work. He's phoned in sick. I want you to go out and do the chimney sweeping with another colleague. Now, John was a young lad. He was about 23 and he used to go out drinking every weekend, and he continued into Sunday night. He knew he had work on Monday mm. morning, but he'd go out Sunday night, get drunk, and he'd phone in sick. Usually somebody else would, you know, go and do his job for him. I'd be on the more technical side of the chimneys. I was the only heating engineer in the company, so jobs like that never really got given to me, but because we were short sure. staff this day, I got sent to do this job. And my employer, he insisted on two people sweeping chimneys, one person goes inside the house, they deal with the, the you know, the fireplace, and the other person mm. goes up on the roof and sweeps the chimney from the top down the way. Now, I, I don't know how it is in the USA. I presume it's the same as in the UK. In the UK, 
everybody sweeps a chimney from inside the house and they sweep up the way so there's no working at height involved. And as you know, if you can eliminate working at height, it's the best thing. You know, it's the first oh, thing. Oh, for sure. It's the best thing yep. to do, you know, the, the hierarchy of controls. So I don't know to this day why my boss insisted on two people sweeping the chimney and one of those people, you know, going up and risking their life, especially when he wasn't prepared to provide them with a safety harness. Right. But that's the way he insisted on it being done. So, unfortunately, this day, I was I was the one. We'd done about five chimney sweeps throughout the day. It got to lunchtime, and I'm, I'm at this next house after lunch. It was about 15 miles from my house, local place. Actually, it's a place called California, believe it or not, in Scotland. <laughs> uh, that's what it's called. So... Yeah, I'm up on the, the chimney stack, I'm sweeping the chimney, everything's going fine, and I've just finished the job. But because I'm standing on the chimney stack, and like I say, I'm not wearing a safety harness, what had mm-hmm. happened is the copestone on top of the chimney stack had split into about four pieces. It was really weak. It turns out the mm-hmm. rebar inside it was all rotten. It was about 50, 60 years old, and it mm-hmm. collapsed. And because I'm not wearing a safety harness, I go right. head first down the pitch of the roof, Oh, my goodness. I'm approaching the, the main ladder, and uh, as I'm approaching it, I'm thinking I'll, I'll grab onto the, the main ladder when I get to it, and that will stop me falling. Mm. And uh, I'd already tried to grab onto the roof ladder, but I couldn't. I was going too fast, and I damaged my fingers and my hand. And I hadn't got anybody footing this ladder, like I say, and I also hadn't tied it to the roof ladder. Now, I was told on a ladder course we got sent on with this company for insurance purposes only uh, not to tie the two ladders together, so I didn't do it. I'd always done it in the fire brigade for safety, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've since found out again that you are allowed to tie your two ladders together. It's done for safety, you know. Again, it was something I was told that wasn't true. And wow. I just listened to it because it was, you know, I thought it was a ladder professional on a ladder course instructor telling me not to do this. And the reason he gave was if you tie the two separately insured pieces of equipment together, you're turning them into one piece of equipment that's not insured as one piece. So don't tie them together. Like I say, I've since asked the health and safety executive and mm. they say, you know, there's nothing wrong with tying them together. It's done for safety. If I'd been, if I had tied them together when I was going down that roof, when I hit that ladder, I wouldn't have fell any further. That ladder would have stopped me. You know, the red right. shoe on the roof ladder would have stopped me. But because it wasn't tied and there was nobody footing it, I hit it, it went straight over, and I went down from about 33 feet from the chimney stack. It was right straight down yeah. uh, off the edge of the gutter level, and it was about a further 20 feet from the gutter to the, the, the ground. But... Mm. I actually landed on a garden wall on my side, mm. uh, sort of castle-style wall, you know, with the pillars. Right. And one of the pillars caught me in uh, under my arm. My arm was over the wall, and it caught me inside uh, where my ribs are. Oof. So I'm, I'm lying on the ground in agony. With I can only describe it as the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. And I'm lying on the ground, and my colleague, he heard the noise. He came running out of the house. And he says, what will I do? And I said, you know, phone an ambulance. Mm. And it was about five minutes until the ambulance came. Thankfully, I'm, I'm really lucky. Now, I actually remember all of a sudden just, you know, the pain leaving me. And, you know, I was starting to smile and, and you know, I couldn't understand it. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked the doctor when I got to the hospital, why was I smiling that day? You know, I was in terrible pain, but then the pain right. left me and I was smiling. I, I was lying there thinking I was dying, but I was smiling. And he said, yeah, you were actually dying. He said, what was happening? My was goodness. Your, it was shutting down. You were going into shock. And he says, when you're about to die, your, your brain knows before you really know that your body's shutting down. And what it does is it releases endorphins. And I find this fascinating. Mm. It releases these endorphins. And they're there to keep you calm. Because if you go into further shock, your body's just going to shut down and you die. But this apparently buys you a bit of time. So it stops you thinking bad thoughts, scary thoughts, Mm. you know, I'm going to die, worrying. It just puts you in that calm place and it buys you a bit of time. And fortunately for me, because the paramedics got there quickly in the ambulance, they managed to save my life. They worked on me in the garden for uh, about 45 minutes before they stretched me up and put me into the ambulance. And then they take me to the, the hospital, uh, they get me x-rayed and scanned, they bring me into the emergency room. Now, they, they puncture my bladder with a catheter by putting it in too hard and too fast. Now, I never damaged my bladder in the accident, but that's one of the knock-on effects of the accident. Yeah, when right. you have an accident, you get all these knock-on effects. And after they'd x-rayed me, they, they, they came in with the x-rays and said that I'd broken two ribs on my right side where I'd hit the wall. They had then punctured my right lung, and that's why I was struggling to breathe. Mm. And although I hadn't hit anywhere else on that wall, the force and the impact of hitting that wall had snapped me in two both sides of the pelvis. Because when I hit the wall, I sort of hit, I landed sideways, so I snapped sideways. Oh. Uh, the two bones that I broke, well, one's actually a joint. So the pubic ramus bone down near the pubic region, uh, there's a blood clot in there from the trauma as well as from that uh, bladder damage. There's clots in there as well. Now, if they were to try and remove those, I could end up having to wear a bag on my leg for the rest of my life to go to the toilet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did give me the option, do you want to take this risk? You must sign a form saying that if we damage you down there, there's no comebacks, you can't sue us, all this kind of stuff. And there is a high risk that they, we may damage you down there. Now, I've got enough problems physically as it is without having to go through that. So I, I left it in place. But because I did, the, the pain's still there, you know, and it's painful. Uh-huh constantly you know down there the other part on the other side on the left side that i broke was the sacroiliac joint which is between you know the big iliac wing on your pelvis between that and the sacrum which is just a little triangular bone at the bottom of the the base of the spine the sort of tailbone right in there between there uh, i also broke snapped it so it's about half an inch from the spine so that's how close i am to being in a wheelchair you know if i'd hit that wall an inch or two either side the, the wrong way I would be sitting in a wheelchair right now, or even worse, if my arm had been inside the wall, I would have smashed my head off the wall, and I'd be lying, uh, you know, in a coffin somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. a casket. So it, it, it's not worth thinking about, you know. It's, I just think I'm really, really lucky. Although I've got these injuries and these after effects, it could have been so much worse, you know. And you hear people, you know, mm-hmm. falling under 10 feet, and they're, they're dead. They're, they're the most common deaths because yeah. you don't have time to put your hands down, protect yourself, you know, uh, when I fell, I had time to think about it. You know, I remember going down the roof thinking, right, I'll grab onto that ladder. It didn't work. I'll grab onto this ladder. It didn't work. But I had time to think about it, you know. So right. In a way, it was probably better for me that day that I fell from a higher height than a smaller height. Who knows? Maybe, hmm. maybe not. But you, there's no formula to false height. That's the thing. No, you, exactly. you can't determine what the injuries are going to be, what the outcome's going to be, you know. So I just feel very, very lucky. It's unbelievable, though, that 
your employer at the time? Because most of the cases I have or I've heard are the opposite. The employer is at least putting some preventative measures here. It seems like the the employer was was willfully lying to try to, to improve profit. Uh, so from a really horrific safety culture yeah. from, from what I'm hearing. It's really disgusting what he did. Uh, I'm actually the third person to have a serious accident in his company. I'm the third person to be made disabled for life with uh, serious injuries. Now, the first two accidents were before I joined the company and they were never reported to the health and safety executive and that's why he got away with those. Uh, That's why the the HSE hadn't been in and made him purchase harnesses or close them down even or, you know, tell him he's he's not running a a safe uh, company. But because they were never reported, uh, he he basically got away with those. So I'm, I'm the third person now. If that was me owning that company after the, you know, the first time it happened, mm-hmm. I would have, I would have been scared and thought, well, no kidding. Yeah, I'll never let this happen to anybody again. I'll, I'll, I'll buy the right equipment. This guy did not care, you know. And there, there are people out there like that to this day, running companies that will risk your life for, for you know, the price of a safety harness, you know, mm-hmm. fifty, a hundred dollars, whatever they are, you know. Uh, over here, you know, I've, I've purchased one for my, my presentations, and it was, it was like fifty pounds, you know, right. sixty-five, seventy dollars, nothing, you know. But this guy just didn't want to put the money out because to 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 him we meant nothing you know and like i say not every employer you will work for or may work for cares about you and that's the mm. thing so you, you've you've got the you've got to make sure that your own person your, your own personal yeah. safety officer first you know uh and i always tell people that you know i, I made that mistake uh of you know not not thinking like that you know putting money first with at the end of the day, the money meant nothing, you know. Uh, I didn't earn a lot of money, so why did I risk my life for it, you know? But we, we do stupid things. Yeah. So, so touch briefly maybe on the, on the after effect of, of an accident. You've talked about the, the physical side, um, but there's a lot more that, 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 that yeah. you have to, to live with for, for several years, for, for decades. Yeah, and, and I would say the after effects of an accident are a lot worse than the accident itself. You know, the accident itself, it's, it's horrible and it's traumatic, but, it, it, you know, it's over. After it's done, it's done. It's the after effects and what you've got to live with after the accident. And, and for me, it'll be for life, and I'm sure for most people that have uh, serious accidents and injuries, it'll be for life. Uh, every single day of their life will be affected in some way, or not just their life, their family, their friends, their mm. colleagues, all these people. Now, I got out of the hospital after five days. They said there's nothing else they could do for me because I didn't want those operations and risking right. damaging uh, down below. Uh, they basically said they were clean breaks. They couldn't do anything with them. So as long as I could walk on crutches, uh, I could get out of the hospital. So I, I chose to go home. But like I say, that's just the start of it. Uh, I've got... I'm 40% disabled. I'm classed as now. Uh, got degenerative arthritis in my pelvis, my lower back, and constant pain every second of the day, especially with the bladder stuff as well. So, you know, it, it follows you every day of your life. Now, mm. I was on, I think it was 744 pills a month. That was the medication I was taking at the time, 24 pills a day. Uh, and, you know, some of those pills are not good for you. They make you feel right. terrible. Sometimes you can't even, you know, you're walking about the house like a zombie, you know. Uh, they're not all good for you. 
So I was on those. I'm, I'm off a lot of them now, the, the sort of the worst ones, but I'm still taking a lot of pills for pain and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But that's that's the sort of physical side of an accident, you know, the, the, the obvious part, I would say, you know, uh, things you'd associate with having an accident, the pain, the pills, the, the, the physical injuries. But there's another side to it, unless people have had an accident themselves or they know somebody close to them that's had an accident, there's another side that they might not know about, and I always try and highlight this in the uh, the presentations that I do. I, I was stalked and followed by an insurance company because I had put uh, a claim in for compensation, mm. sort of, you know, get something to to help me later in life. I was stalked and followed. They followed me everywhere, and and they do this because they want to catch you doing something you shouldn't be doing. Mm. Take the evidence to court, show the judge. They throw your case out and you get nothing. So they yep. spend a fortune doing this. And this is sort of every day. You know, you wake up in the morning, you look out the, the window and there's a car sitting across the road waiting on you. And if you leave mm. the house, now I don't know if this is the same in the US and other places, but in the UK, this is what happens. And this is what happened to me. And they follow you every day. You know, anywhere you went, you surgeon's appointment, doctor, lawyer, physiotherapy, they would follow you everywhere. And they do this, like I say, to try and catch you out. And, and and I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong, but you start to become paranoid. You think, why right. follow me? Maybe I am doing something wrong. So you tend not to go out. Now, I had to go out for these main appointments, the lawyer, the doctor, stuff like that, because if you don't, mm. it will be used against you in court. You didn't try to mitigate your losses and get better. But any other day, I just stopped going out. I, I wouldn't leave the house. Now, fortunately for me, I lived with my parents at the time. And mm. uh, if, if I didn't, I would have lost everything. I would have lost my house. Uh, if I had had kids and a, a wife, I would have affected their life. I would have ruined their lives. Uh, fortunately for me, I had my, my parents to, to put a roof over my head, to feed me, put some money in my pocket because, again, I don't know how it is in the US, but in the UK, what happened to myself was uh, with the benefits, I think you guys call it welfare, they stopped my benefits money uh, not long after I got out of hospital. So I had, I had no money, nothing to live on. Uh, you know, so if it hadn't been for my mum and dad, I might have been living on the streets. You know, yeah. it, it does happen to people. So again, I try and highlight that side of the accident. And I, I say to people, you know, you could be at work today and life is good. Mm-hmm. You've got a family, you've got a nice car, you've got a nice house. And you have an accident today and tomorrow the bills aren't getting paid. You know, you only get paid for coming to work for one right. day. So... Tomorrow, the bills aren't getting paid. Three months' time, when you've missed three payments on the house, the car, they get taken away. Your family can walk out on you. It happens to people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because they can't handle it. Their life's changed. So all these people that could be affected by your accident, you know, so some something you do unsafe at work one day can lead to that, and that's the knock-on effect. And an accident does, it has a huge knock-on effect on, on everybody. And like I say, not just the person that has the accident, your friends, your family, your colleagues, uh, the person who was with me on the day of the accident, who was doing the, the, mm-hmm. the job with me, he left the next day through shock. He was mm-hmm. in so much shock after what he saw. He saw me lying on the ground dying. Yeah. He basically said to himself, I don't want that to happen to me. And he had a family. He had a, uh, two right. kids and a wife. And, and good on him, you know, I'm glad. And and maybe that's a positive to come from my accident that he, he was no longer in danger anymore. He started mm. his own business and he does everything safe now. So, you know, maybe that's a positive. Good. My colleagues, uh, the company eventually closed after my accident. Uh, about a year or two later, I think it was. 
he was basically told to purchase the right equipment, the safety harnesses, the right. floor equipment. He did it to comply, but he was still sending people out and telling them to not use it because it takes too long. Really? Yep. We think that at, at that stage, he would have changed his mind. Yep. He didn't. He just did not care. Uh, he was, I'm going to say he was fined, but he wasn't. The company was fined £20,000 at court, which is maybe, what, $30,000? Yeah. You know, it's it nothing. was nothing. You know, yeah. and, and he made he made lots of money, this guy, you know, uh, but he just didn't care. It was all about making money. He didn't care about his employees. So I think because he was getting followed from the health and safety executive quite a bit, and he was sort of retiring age, he basically closed mm. the company. So he was fine, you know, he had money in the bank, he was retiring age, but he put eight of my, my colleagues out of job. So they were affected by my accident. Now, their families were probably affected by that now. I don't even know their families. I don't know their kids, their partners, but they were affected by that because those people lost their jobs, whether it was financially, whether it was emotionally, you know, I'm sure it affected those families. Like I say, those are people right. I don't even know. So, I've affected all these people by doing someone safe at work. So when I said earlier about, you know, think about what it is you're doing, you're your own personal safety officer, you know, mm -hmm. that's that's the way it is. You've, you've got to be safe first. Look out for number one and then look out for other people. If you see somebody doing something unsafe, speak up. They might not even know they're doing it. You know, you could stop mm -hmm. them having the, the accident. But that that's the, you know, the way I should have been working that day was with that attitude, you know, if I can't do it safely, I'm not doing the job and money should never come into it. It should never have been on my mind, but that's life, you know, it's, it's the way we think at the time, you know, mm -hmm. uh, hindsight, a, a wonderful thing. But like I say, if I could go back to that day, I'd have walked off the job. I would have walked off the job the first day when I was told to climb that ladder that was unsafe. I really would, you know. And how, how do you help leaders and team members realize or, or make that same realization? Because uh, you, you talk about trusting your gut. You also talk about safety is about taking pride in yourself. H how do you help uh, leaders and team members really realize that they do need to stop uh, in those cases and, and really re reprioritize? This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. Well, first, before I go into a company and speak for them, I ask them questions. So do your employees have the authority to stop the job right. if they, or the task, you know? If they, without getting reprimanded, without being yep. threatened like myself, if they say no, then I don't go into that company because my message is a waste of time. Right. You know, that's part of the message. So it's part of the, it's a, it's a partnership. So I basically say in my presentations that the company is allowing you to stop the task, stop the job. If you do, you will not be shouted at. You will not be threatened to losing your job like me. You might even get a pat on the back for it. They do not want you to have an accident, but you must meet them halfway. You must speak up. You right. must do your bit. Now, if a company does that, people are more inclined to speak up. Now, I spoke up, but when I did, 
I got shot down. Right. And that is, it meant nothing then because then I, I didn't bother speaking up because I knew I would get shot down again. I'd lose my job. Mm-hmm. I'd get threatened losing my job. So it's a two-way thing. It's a partnership. So I always like to say, I make sure that the, the company uh, gives the authority. And I usually pick out a director, a manager, somebody mm-hmm. of authority in the audience. And we do, you know, we arrange this before. Uh, I ask them if it's okay to say this. Again, if they said no, I, I wouldn't you go wouldn't into go. the company. Right, but I, uh, I I pull them out, you know. I, I I bring it up and I say, "Am I right in saying?" You know, I'll say to the director, "Am I right in saying that all these guys here, these people here, have got the authority to stop the job?" And they'll say, "Yes." And I say, "See, you've heard it. You don't need to hear it from me. You want, you know, I'll never, maybe never be back here. You've heard it from the person at the top. They're saying you can stop the job. If they're saying you can stop the job, why wouldn't you stop the job?" And and giving people that. Uh, empowerment and that authority to stop a task, stop a job, knowing right. in the back of their mind that they won't be in trouble for it, they are more likely to stop the job. And and that, I totally believe that because that's what happened to me. When I tried to mm-hmm. stop the job, I was shot down. If you're not shot down, you're more likely to speak up. And that's how you stop accidents. You know, it's, it's everybody's got to be on the same team, you know. Uh, and there are, like I say, there are companies out there that, will never allow people to speak up. Uh, they don't have a safety culture, you know. But they are likely never the, the people that would phone me and ask me to yeah, be a Yeah, they, they won't call you. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, I've never had a company yet say to me, no, no, you can't say that. You know, I've never walked away from a company. So that's great, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get phone calls from people who, you know, they want safety in their company. They don't want accidents happening, which is great. You know, they're the people I want to work with. Of course. So, so what are some of the other messages so, so that you share? You, t- you talk about your gut feeling that day yeah. um, and, and about trusting it. And you talk about uh, really that safety, really reframing what safety is about. Yeah, so going back on what I was talking about there, about you know how it can affect not only you, your friends, your family, your colleagues, all these people, big knock-on effect. Safety for me is about pride and self-respect. Mm. Having that pride to stand up and say, that's not going to happen to me. I'm never going to have an accident. I'm going to go home every single day in one piece, intact, uninjured, because mm-hmm. I care about my family. I care about the people around me. I care about my children and obviously themselves. Right. You know, that pride and that self-respect. And I always say that to the, the people when I do a presentation. As you walk out of this room, with that attitude, thinking, I am never going to end up like him, then my accident hasn't been for one day's wages, been to stop you going through the same thing I go through every single day of my life. And if I stop one person having an accident, then it's worth it. You know, I'm right. turning a negative into a positive. Obviously, we don't want anybody having accidents. They do happen, as we know. But if it stops just one person doing it, then I've, you know, I've been doing this for seven years now, and I intend mm. to do it for as long as I can. And if it just stops one person going through what I went through or, or being killed even or, or, you know, just even a cut finger, then it's worth doing it because it stopped an injury. Exactly. You know, obviously, like I say, we hope it's more than one, but we, you know, we can only try our best, but that that's, that's the aim and that's why I do it. You know, uh, I, I didn't want my accident to be for one day's wage because that's all we come to work for, one day's wage. Mm. If you have an accident today, you may get that money in your bank, but you're not getting it tomorrow when you're lying in the hospital mm. bed or you're lying in a box. So we only come to work for one day's wage. And when you look at it like that, one day's wage is nothing. 
we put everything on the line every single day to risk everything for one day's wage. Now, mm. Why risk everything for that? It's not enough. It never will be enough. You know, a lifetime's wages isn't enough to lose your life or be seriously injured. So, you know, why risk it for one day's wage? And, and I tell people that as well. You know, don't don't put everything on the line. You know, it, it's it's just a job at the end of the day. Mm. Yes, it's important. It's how we make a living, but it's not as important as the things or the people outside of work. That's why we really go to work, you know, to provide for them, to provide right. for ourselves, to enjoy life, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's many parts of life now that I can't enjoy, and that's just the way it is, you know. I don't want other people going through that. So, yeah, safety is about pride and self-respect. And another uh, message I like to use is uh, the most important piece of PPE is the human brain. Mm. It's not the safety harness or the steel toe cap boots, the high-vis vest, the, the, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, they're important. Of course they are. But unless you actually use your brain first to know you should have that stuff on or listen to that little voice in your, mm-hmm. your head telling you something like the gut feeling, unless you actually listen to that first and act on that first, you can still have the accent. doesn't matter what PPE you're wearing. So the most important piece of PPE is a right. human brain. And I would say also the gut feeling. Right. You know, you, they, call, they call that the second brain. If something isn't right for you, what I say is stop take five seconds, look at it again. If it's still not right, don't do it. Now, it could be five seconds, it could be five minutes, it could be five hours. We say mm. five seconds just to, you know, stop and look at it again. But however long it takes, you know, if you're getting yeah. that gut feeling or the little voice in your head or just something's niggling at you, you know, you, you don't feel right doing it. We've all had that, you know, the butterflies in our stomach. Yep. We get that We get that for a reason, you know. And if you ever get that when you're about to do a task, stop, stop. stop. Like I say, take the five seconds, ten seconds, a minute, whatever it takes, look at it again. If it's still not right, you don't do it. If you can make it right, you can make it safe, great, get on with it, do mm. the task. But if you can't, look at it. And, and you know what? Get other people around as well. Are you getting the same gut feeling I'm getting yeah. about this? You know, two heads are better than one, as they say, you know? Exactly. Uh, that That's the kind of thing, you know, just to look at it again. But... Would you do all of that stuff if you thought in the back of your mind that if somebody sees you stopping a job, you're going to get shouted at, threatened, lose your job? You probably wouldn't. And that's why it's so important to have the company on side as well. The people at the top, right. you know, the people you're working for, whoever's in charge, got the same attitude towards safety as the person doing the task. You know, uh, It's a team effort, You know, safety, as far as I'm concerned. Like I say, if you've got a boss or an employer like me, it's not going to work, mm. you know. And my my advice then would be get out of there quick, get get a job where somewhere where you're appreciated, where you've been given that authority to stop the yeah. job. And I, and I talk about self-respect and pride. Now, if an employer hasn't got enough respect for me to allow me to stop a job and be in, uh, not be injured. Why should I risk my life to line their pockets? Yeah. It's a two-way thing, you know. It's a mutual respect. So that's the way I see it as well. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that that is a, a responsibility from a from an employer standpoint to try to do their best to create a safe environment. Yeah. Um, if they're if they're not doing that, they don't deserve to be in business. No, uh, definitely. We talk about employee engagement, but employee engagement is important, but even more primary and more critical than that is ensuring that your team members come home day in and day out to their loved ones. Yep. If you're sending people out to do a task or a job, yeah. it's yeah. down to you to make sure that that's safe. You know, you've done your risk assessment, you've written your message statement, you've looked at the risks, 
uh, you know, you've, you, you've tried uh, to make it as safe as possible. And then at the end of it, you've, yeah, that's okay to go and do that. Yeah. That's your responsibility. And also, like I said earlier, it's the person doing the task to then, if they see something that's not right, not safe, to speak up and do something about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, 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 the employer may not always be on the job, may not always not yep. be on the site. It's down to you to be your own personal safety officer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about you, the passion project you've been running. So you've you've tried to make a difference in speaking to people around safety, but you've also tried to take some actions in terms of improving ladder safety, which is incredibly dangerous. Uh, a lot of people underestimate the, the risk associated with a ladder. Tell me a little bit about what you've done on the, on the ladder safety side. So back before... I uh, had the accident when I just started with this company. And as I said at the start, I was sent out uh, to work on ladders unsafely on my own, nobody footing them. I thought to myself, one way I can try and be safe is to go online and look for a ladder stabilizer that I can put at the bottom of my ladder and stop my ladder moving. I went online, I looked, and as far as I'm concerned, everything I saw that was available there was nothing that would actually stop my ladder moving. There was Mm. nothing that would do that and actually work on uneven ground, put it at the right angle, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So I came up with an idea uh, for a product, and and it's called Ladder Locker. Now, I came up with the idea, and I thought to myself, like having somebody foot in a ladder, it needs to be something that uses weight. Right. Uh, Most of it... Well, all of the the, uh, the this ladder stabilizers I saw online when I looked would have blown away in a strong wind, you know, so they oh, don't wow. work. So the problem with footing ladders is as well, as you probably know, it's, it's the, the, the last sort of thing you do if you don't have any other way of su- supporting a ladder, securing a ladder, yeah. you get somebody to foot it. But it's, it's been proven that if somebody's at the top of a 30-foot ladder and they fall oh, yeah. the at the bottom, it's never going to hold them. No, There's no way. Yeah. It's, going to <laughs> them. it's not yeah. going to happen. It's physically impossible. So it's it's a bit of a placebo. It, it's more to make the person up the ladder feel a bit safer. But right. are they actually safer? Probably not. And it's, you know, the other problem you've got with that is people tend to get bored when they're footing a the ladder. They look <laughs> round, they walk away, they move. They, they start getting their phone out their pocket. They're not actually looking. And then the other thing is, if somebody does fall, well, mm. the ladder's been sued. If they fall on the person's foot in the ladder, you've got two uh, right. sev- you know, severe injuries or, or possibly worse. So I came up with this idea. Then, unfortunately, I, I had the accident. And I started my motivational safety speaking business back in 2014. And... I was always putting this idea to the back of my mind because I thought it was going to cost a lot of money and, you know, it's a lot of work and I'll get around to it. And in 2016, I was waiting on my car, getting serviced in in the garage. And you know how you sit and daydream just waiting on things. (laughs) I I thought to myself, you know what, if if I don't do this now, I will never do it. And I don't want to get to, you know, 70 years of age and think, what if? Imagine if Mm. I had done that. Imagine how many lives it might have saved. You know, where would it have went, you know? So I contacted a patent lawyer, and they they loved it. They they said it was mm. it was patentable. Uh, they thought it was a great idea. So patent process is very long, and 
I've now got worldwide patents granted, so I've got all that. And last year, on the 20th of June, which was the 10-year anniversary of my accident, I mm. launched the video Ladder Locker. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. It's just type in Ladder Locker, and you'll see the, the product. Now, like I say, what it does is it, it uses weights, and the ladder is put in it. So you put the ladder in it, and it's got an angled plate in it. So when you put it in, you rest the ladder on this plate, and you get it sitting where you want it at the top, you know, the, the landing plate, right. resting. If you've got it resting properly on that back plate, because it's angled at the correct angle and it's sitting where it needs to be at the top, the ladder physically cannot be at the wrong angle. It's got to be at a perfect angle, the 75.5 degrees angle uh, that it should be at. So it puts it at the right angle. It works on uneven ground. Now, there's spirit levels built in. And again, as long as you level up uh, with the spirit levels, it cannot be at the wrong angle. You then uh, clamp the sides of the ladder in, clamp the front of the ladder in, and then a door shuts at the front to keep it in as well. And you put weights in the back of it. Mm-hmm. And that is like having somebody footing your ladder. But the, 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 the beauty of this is that those weights won't walk away. They won't get bored. They won't go on the phone. You know, <laughs> they, they are there to stay. And I just believe that, you know, this is needed. You know, I... I've been there. I was looking for something that would right. actually stop the ladder moving, and that's why I invented it. That's why I've, I've brought it uh, out, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get it onto the market. Now, uh, starting a new business, it's it's not easy. So I'm, I'm at the moment. I'm trying to get the proper manufacturing sorted, the mm. distribution, all these kind of things. So it's taking a bit of time. But like I say, the reason I launched it last year, the video was I wanted to make it sort of symbolic. And I put it on LinkedIn and all these other uh, places, you know, Twitter and stuff. And I basically said, you know, it's 10 years today since my accident. I want to mark the occasion with something positive. I don't Mm. want to post, you know, poor me, I've had an accident. I want want it to be, you know, this is what's come from the accident. This is a a negative being turned into a positive, or it's a positive coming from the negative. So, So that's it. Yeah, so, you know, ladders... In the UK, there's like 2 million in use uh, estimated every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the US will be even more. There's 2,000 uh, ladder-related injuries every day in the US. There's 300 deaths a year, 130,000 emergency room visits. Now, yeah. I've, I've actually seen that figure as 168,000, and I've even seen it as high as 500,000. Now, you got all these different stats coming out, which one's true. Mm. But if you just take the smallest one there, 130,000 people you know, go to the emergency room every every That's year. It's a, it's a lot of people, you know. It costs the economy in the US $24 billion, you know, work loss, medical costs, legal mm. costs, liability, the pain and suffering, you know, not to mention the physical and, and, and mental uh, problems that people get from these accidents. Uh, like, you know, in the UK, it's 40% of, of falls from height in the home and in the workplace are, are ladder accidents, you know. Right. Uh, 48,000 people admitted to hospital every year in the UK. Obviously, we've got a less uh, of a population than you guys. Uh, 14 deaths per year. Like I say, there's 2 million ladders used every day. I, I don't know what that figure is in the US, but it's got to be a hell of a lot more. So, you know, it's probably the most used tool out there. And the, the, for me, the fact that there wasn't anything out there that actually worked, that, that's what worried me. 
you know, and most ladders accidents are because the ladder moved. Uh, you know, it's it's not that the ladder got hit by something or something. It's because the ladder moved. You know, that the friction wasn't there, and and forty percent of those over forty percent is because the bottom of the ladder moved. About six and a half percent sideways slips, four percent top, three percent the ladder went backwards. You know, but I see this all the time still to this day. And what really gets to me is the fact that, you know, we've got phones in our pockets that can link to satellites. We've got all this technology that when it comes down to things like ladders and safety harnesses, people aren't prepared to buy the right equipment or the right equipment isn't available. Yeah. Uh, and to me, like I say, everything I saw online that day that I looked for a ladder stable, I, would, I wouldn't have bought any of them. You know, and, and I'm, I'm not here to diss anybody else's product, but for me, like I say, nothing worked. So this is why I came up with this idea. Uh, and here we are, you know, 11, 12 years later, uh, it's, it's taken to get there because of the accident. You know, if it hadn't been for the accident, I would, I would have probably got there a lot quicker. But like I say, it affects your life so much. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's what I want to concentrate on now as well as the, the motivational safety speaking. I want to get this product out there. I want to make it available to as many people as possible. Uh, because, you know, the, the more people we can stop having these accidents, the better. The better, you know? absolutely. Yep. So, so, Dylan, thank you very much for coming to share your, your story uh, and, you. and for, for in, investing in, in creating a, a stabilizer for ladders. I think that's something that uh, hopefully can have a significant impact as well because a number of people that even at home are using ladders uh, yep. and, and aren't necessarily thinking about safety because uh, they may be thinking about it in the work environment. Uh, definitely a, a significant impact there. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way uh, for them to uh, connect with you, Dylan? Uh, I have a website. Uh, my company is called Safety Up, Safety UP. So www.safetyup.co.uk. I mm -hmm. think if you just put safetyup.co.uk in, you'll, you'll be able to get there. On there, there's a, a contact form, and you can contact me that way via email. The phone number's on there. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, so Dylan Skelhorn, and in brackets, it's Safety Up and Ladder Locker. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to find me there, you can contact me that way. There's a Safety Up and a Ladder Locker Twitter page. There's a Safety Up Ladder Locker Instagram, uh, all these sorts of things. But the best way to get me is via the website, like I say, safetyup.co.uk. And like I say, if anybody wants to watch the video of Ladder Locker, it's on YouTube. It's just Ladder Locker. If you type that in, you'll see it. It's, it's a red-coloured uh, product, so you'll, you'll know it's the correct one. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me, Dylan. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy, distinguish yourself from the pack, grow your success, capture the hearts and minds of your teams, fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.